Welcome, welcome, welcome. Who can believe that the year is rushing away and it's already the middle of February? And last time we were together, we began um, talking about a book that I wrote a number of years ago. The title of the book is Finding Your Purpose as a Mom. So sorry, a number of you wrote, wanted to know what was the title of that book. Uh, you can obviously tell I'm not trying to sell books very much. Finding your purpose as a mom, but the subtitle is How to Build Your Home on Holy Ground. And if you heard that class we had together, you heard me telling the story about the sautile tile in our house and how that cool floor caused me to reflect on the question, is my home holy ground? We talked a little bit about practical things when we were together, and I introduced you to my new co-host, Leah Parker. Hi, Leah. Hello. How are you this day? I'm great. Are you? I am. You look great. <laughs> That's a good thing. I really love having you in the studio face to face, and uh, we know we'll be hearing more of your voice. But last time we were together, I said something about we get our priorities askew because we say yes mm -hmm. too often. Mm -hmm. Do you do that? I'm actually a no before I'm a yes. I, I swing the other direction. I will say no and then go, okay, I'll think about it. Oh, so, yes. well, we we have we have, <laughs> we have a professional in the house. This we're glad. Well, you are in the minority. You know that, don't yes. you? <laughs> so, have you ever said yes when you wished you hadn't said yes? Not to your husband. Now, we're not talking about will you marry me? And ah, oh, maybe I should think about that. <laughs> um, I think I've said yes to things because I had my um, obligations or my. My point of reference was wrong. I said yes for the wrong reasons. And so I've, I've definitely done that before. Can you say more about that? Uh, people, uh, you know, seeking approval from people, from um. wanting to be a certain type of mom, wanting to be in the PTO for the wrong reasons, uh, things like that. So, yes, I've definitely done that. Even though I am a no first, first. I still can say yes for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And that's very interesting because I, I didn't know that about you. Although I know you fairly well, I would I guess if I'd thought about that, I might have concluded <laughs> that, that both are really not the best way to handle it. No. And you tagged the line on, which is perfect. Let me get back to you about that. Well, I'm a yes for the exact same reasons. You know, I, I do want to be part of that PTO or that girls group or say yes to it. I remember just as I'm talking, uh, David and I had given some parameters that we both agreed would be good for our life, for our marriage, for our family, for our ministries at home, for my traveling when I was traveling and speaking around the world, literally. And there were so many weekends I could do that and not anymore. And so we agreed on that. It was working famously. That was after I stopped saying, let me check with my husband, because there were times when I had someone on the phone, I wanted to say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. So we developed, it was working wonderfully, until someone phoned who I really wanted to speak for. And I looked at my calendar, 
and it was filled for that month and it was filled for the next month. And the date they had chosen, the third month, um, was open, but it would have made too many trips in one month. And I was stuck. And I thought, I have to say yes to what David and I have agreed. So I paused. And it was in that moment that I recognized I don't always have to say yes or no. Mm. And for me, that had always been clear. I think it has something to do with that math, Matthew passage, which I grew up in a home where there were not many trustworthy people. So when they said yes, mm, I grew to believe that that was a maybe at best, and most often a no. So my saying yes, which Matthew said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So I became a yes woman. That was, that was it. I wanted to be the woman who said yes to things. So when I got to that position with the invitation to speak, I paused and I said, I'd like to get back to you about that. Would that be all right? And it was life-changing in that one moment, not only that circumstance, but I thought from then on, I would never say yes or no. Just, I wouldn't. Because sometimes I'd say yes and then I'd rethink it. Like, I, I recognized that sometimes I said yes to an early Saturday morning commitment and we had a Friday night commitment. And it didn't matter that I was 35 or 40 years old. It was just too much, and too much for the calendar. So for those of you um, who are like Leah and you say no... And then you wish you had said, let me get back to you or let me think about it. Or you're like Donna, that you say yes and then you wished you hadn't, try to retract. Get in the habit of saying, I'll get back to you in 24 hours. Why 24 hours? One, that will make whoever's inviting you feel their invitation is valid. You're not just blowing them off. Never do that, I hope. Um, The second thing is that you have a chance to check your calendar or consult with whoever, whatever's going on if you can adjust it. Well, in my end of the story with David, I asked him about it, and he just laughed out loud. Like, he said, suddenly, you want to ask me what you should do? <laughs> and we have always had a, a wonderful relationship about say yes to what you feel, say yes to what you feel, both of us, and, and, and yes is together. So that was a very change point for me. I'll get back to you within the next 24 hours. Now, when I got back to people and I said no, they were still unhappy. So the last thing I want to say about that, how does a face look who asks you something and they say and you say no? What does their face look like? Disappointed. Yeah, say more. Um, they look like, might I be able to convince you otherwise if yes. they're a persuasive person? Or maybe let's, let's look at this from another angle or... You know, it it tends to not be the first no that people go, okay, and walk away. Thank you very much. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's exactly right. So that can cause someone to stop saying no because they can't bear that disappointment or the disheveled look on a person's face. The same with the yes. And my dearest friend, maybe my dearest friend in the world these days, um, I said yes to helping her with an activity at her church. Well... It turned out the activity was every week for 15 weeks. And I was about five weeks into it, and I said, I don't want to be a bird. It was some bluebirds or something at church. She said, too late, you are a bird. (laughs) And, And she held my feet to the fire. But I remember thinking, that was because I said a quick yes instead of let me look and think about it. So I hope that's helpful to you. I wanted to spend a few minutes today chatting with Leah. Um, I'd like you to know her better. 
you will find a photograph of her and a photograph of her family on the website at the end of this week, and I hope you'll take time to look at that. But let's talk a little bit about important things in your life. How's that for a starter? Mm. Yes. So important people in your life. Um, my family, my husband, my two children, and then it moves directly to my extended family, which I'm blessed to have lots of them in the local area, and then it moves to friendships from there. I would say I have two or three really close friends. I'm not a big group friend person. I don't have a lot of close friends. I have some that are very close and they know me very well. And so. the rest don't get to know you at all. <laughs> they know me from like an arm's length. So yes. Okay, so you quickly ran by my husband and children. Well, so they're very first. quickly. They're yes. first, yes. So your husband, his name is Sky. Yes. where does that name come from? His parents were hippies. They, that's it. That's it. They truly named him Sky. It's they not, named him Sky. I always thought he had another name that they, Sky. They named him Sky. No, they. She was pregnant. They didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. They were camping out at Mount Lemon, and somewhere or the other, isn't the Sky grand? Wouldn't it be great if our baby was Sky? Yes, groovy. That's it. <laughs> That's a great story. When I see Sky next time, I'm going to bring that subject to the table. Okay, then you have two lovely children. Miles is 14 and Laurel is 12. And Miles, if you're wondering about his name, derivative of Michael, and that's my dad's name. Yeah. So we went, and then Laurel, we just liked it. There's no, there's no super deep meaning. (laughs) And tell me one thing you'd like the audience to know about each of your children. Oh wow. Um, Miles might be the kindest person I know. He just has just a sweet, kind heart. And Laurel is probably the most creative person I know. Well, I wish all of you who are listening would be sitting across this studio desk looking at Leah's face as she talks about her dear family and um, the devotion in her eyes. So tell me a few things about you. And I used to have this list of my favorite things that I used as interview questions, like, what is your favorite food? Oh, I would say chips and guacamole. Oh, any certain kind of chips? I mean, tortilla chips, obviously, but there's, uh, the brand is called Have a Chip. Okay, now I knew, I, there was just not chips and guac. I mean, yes. this is, and the guac has to have what in it? Uh, red onion and cilantro. See, see, so I hope you're getting to know Leah through this uh, little interview, because there isn't, um, I don't, I don't think of you as a casual person. No. Now, I love that you dress casually. I it always feels like, and I'm not sure I've ever thought of this till right now. Do I dare say it on the air? Yes, I do. Um, that cat, you are not a casual person. Yes. You're a serious person. I am. And I love that about you. And I think between the two of us, it's going to make a lovely blend here. But I, but you wear casual clothes. And if you dress the way I dressed and you were who you are, I'd probably want to stay a lot further away from you. <laughs> it's, it's efficiency. I, I call myself the unelected efficiency manager everywhere I go. And so I like to put something on that I can wear from Pilates to dropping off the kids to the grocery store to making dinner 
to the end of the day. Okay. In addition, I'm six foot tall. So yes. there's just not a whole <laughs> lot of options for clothing. So. Mini skirts were not, you no, know. No. <laughs> well, that's, so my theory about getting dressed was getting dressed for the high point of the day. Mm. Because I think I'm catching you say you don't want to change your clothes during the day. Yeah. If there's anything that I do not want to do. If I don't want to get up and go to something and then have to come home and go to something else. If I can even do my, ride my recumbent bike with the pants I wore to the, it's okay. But I don't want to change my clothes. So I would dress for the high point, mm. whatever that was. That meant I went to the grocery store in the high point clothes. That was okay, but I didn't have to change clothes. So we're kind of in the same way, but a different methodology for it. And I'm a dress-up person. Yes. That's because I came from Chicago. And um, Chicago, that's what you did. Mm-hmm. You, everybody did. I don't know if that's true now, but certainly when I was in modeling school, I, I, that was it was a dress up dress up town. I think especially through the pandemic and everything, everybody's style kind of took a. We're going for comfort. We're yeah. going for slip it on, slip it off. And also growing up in the Southwest, you just don't dress up for much. And I looked perfectly silly the first years I lived here. I'm still not on the, on the southwest plane, but uh, yeah, the first time um, a friend of ours who's close friends to us now, a couple, they saw us walk down the aisle at church, and they said, who is that dandy and his wife? And I thought, dandy and his wife? Wow, <laughs> just, just coming down the aisle at church. So um, you say... No first, yes second, mm-hmm. casual clothes. Um, tell me one thing about your walk of faith that is uh, a standout. Something maybe that's occurred between you and God or the Trinity or something that you've prayed for for a long time or something that would would just give us a little touch with that part of your walk. Yeah, for being a no-first and a fairly serious person, I find that I'm closest to God through worship. I love to worship. I love to put my hands up in church. I love to do sing, even, which I think most people would assume I don't. So that's where I find my nearness to Christ is, or to God is through worship. Worship. Mm-hmm. Singing. Dancing, dancing, yeah. Um, quiet songs as well as fast songs, or probably more slower, lower slower. temper. Not the I'm not fast songs. Listen to me. I sound like a, like a no. what do you call it? Bebopper. What do we call it when we were uh, when we were in in great stop? I I always do that, but I, it doesn't matter. I'll get out of it some way or another. <laughs> as my husband says. Okay. The last thing is, why did you say yes to coming to do this with me? Um, I do, well, for one, I've always enjoyed your teaching. Let's start there. Thank you. But it's always been a place of prominence in my life and really always enjoyed it. And two, I had some time. I like to volunteer. I think serving the church, serving ministry is an important part of my walk of faith. And, um... It just, there was no reason to say no, honestly. Oh. There was no, no reason I had the time, I oh. had the willingness and all of those things. So, oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. I, I'm so delighted to have you. And I know we're going to get to know you better. You're going to do more things for 
our podcast as far as information, which I suck at, basically, <laughs> and that uh, we're going to continue talking about the things we always do. Uh, one thing I want to say about you, Leah, to our audience, is the ministry has been comprised of now over 35 years of talking about four things and four things only. Now, someone said, yeah, you cheat a little because you talked about the election. And I said, yeah, but that's still under the guise of who you are as a woman. What? How do you make this decision? Who mm-hmm. informs you about this decision? So we talk about who you are as a woman, who you are as a wife, who you are as a mother, and who you are as a homemaker. Now, you are a full-time stay-at-home mother, so these four categories are are full-time for you. A lot of our audience um, has one or two of them. Um, some of our audience are people my age and slightly younger who have come from your place and who have recognized the need for mentoring. As a matter of fact, the next uh, series of sessions that we're going to teach here is on the subject of mentoring, which I um, really value uh, intensely. Uh, Different mentoring, different than discipleship. So I'm glad you said yes for those reasons, and I look forward to the things we have to do together. So the last time we were together, we'd started our conversation about homes, holy ground. Have you had any thoughts about that in the last week or 10 days? Um, Yeah, when I walk into my home, just remembering that I am the thermostat and to create a place of hospitality where my family feels welcome and well cared for. And it's just a good reminder of what the home is meant for. It is. And the privilege of it, the opportunity to use it. Uh, uh, We will talk somewhere this semester about a little organization and order. I know you live in a very orderly place. I didn't always, and I do now, but I think that having order helps us be more able to be hospitable. So Tom Howard, not a name that many of you will recognize, but Tom Howard... Um, was Elizabeth Elliot's brother. They came from six children in their family and a very accomplished set of parents. Uh, Tom went to be with the Lord about three years ago in his late 80s, so uh, you know the generation that he was born into. He wrote a number of books, and one of the books that he wrote talked about home being hallowed ground. What does that word mean to you when you say hallowed? Does that does any word about anything come to your head? Hallowed. Um, set aside, set apart. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he he describes it. We talk about hallowed be thy name in the Lord's Prayer. Um, there are hallowed places, places that are set apart, graves and grottos, and places matter. We. We remember where we were married. We remember the hospital our children were born in. We remember where we decided to get married. We remember certain restaurants. Places have a significant power over us. They, they thought in early days that places could be fenced off to acknowledge the dwelling place of God. I found that as I was reading his book, I thought, isn't that interesting to, to believe that you could put God in a place. But in the early days uh, of the church, 
what did they know? I mean, God existed, but they wanted to capture God. He was in the tabernacle, and so the Old Covenant conversations. History and ruins dot the places where spaces were hallowed. It was a way of marking a territory so it would not be defamed. And I think we do that in our cemeteries, at least generally, in part. When I was a girl, we could not step on someone's grave. We had to walk around the edges of it. I notice now when I go to the cemetery, we walk across the plots again. We think of God in our hearts, not as a tabernacle, and we are his tabernacle. We pay attention to our space. We keep our hearts as pure as we can or swept clean, so to speak. The new house that my husband and I built a couple of years ago uh, reminded me a lot of this hallowed ground, hallowed home, which I hope to make the point today of reminding all of us that wherever we live, it is a hallowed space. Mm -hmm. It isn't just a drop-off. I talked last time we were together about it not being a laundromat or a restaurant or a hotel or a recreation center. It is all of those things, yes, but it is a hallowed place set apart for the Parker family, for the Otto family, and the Otto family has a different way of living in their home than the Parkers do. So I, I want to dwell for a few minutes on your heart being his home and you being the heart of the home as a wife, as a mother. You're right, you're, you're not a thermometer. Mm -hmm. Although we behave that way, and we all behave that way from time to time. We come in and we're late and we rush in and we, if you put the thermometer in the meat, it is hot, hot, hot. But if, if we're calm and cool and collected, it's not hot. But we're, we're talking about trying to live a life that we literally turn the thermostat to be gentle, to be kind, to be aware, to be welcoming. So our heart is really where all that begins. Um, your home is, our heart is our home, and our physical home is the house with which we display our home. Um, I know that the home sometimes looks like a, uh, uh, an upside-down sewer tank, you know? The kids have had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and there's jam on the table, and there are glasses left in the family room, and, 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 and. But these kinds of things are a making of the hallowed ground called home. Uh, we all find in some way, Elizabeth Elliot used to say, I've mentioned her twice today, um, every time you changed a diaper, you were doing it onto Jesus. Now, I remember saying to her one time, you know, Elizabeth, I'm not sure that women feel that way. And um, I, I didn't often try to change her mind, and I just thought she should know that after the 5,000th diaper, you might not feel like you're doing it onto Jesus. But in fact, if home, which is our heart, is hallowed ground. Well, we say it or we don't say it. Every deed and every act. And for me personally, raising children, staying married, teaching and living in the truth when there is muck all around me, the sheer necessities of modern life sweep us further away from hallowed ground. But I want to suggest, as we talk in these next days, 
that past the pandemic and past the holidays and getting ready to move into the season of preparation for Easter, that I believe where you live, you are walking on hallowed ground. It is a place that you have chosen, no matter where it is, how small it is, how big it is. When my husband and I were uh, making this last move into the house we now live in, we lived in 400 square feet for many months. Uh, People laughed about that, like, you're kidding me, because we left this huge house. Yes, we did. And David called it the love bungalow. And everybody would snicker about that. But the truth was, you had to love each other a lot to live in this tiny little space. And I think we are pressed a little more when our spaces are smaller. But also the opposite, when our places are bigger, we, we can vacate each other much easier. So let's begin to set our hearts toward what is hallowed ground what our homes look like. And the psalmist who said, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, they labor in vain. And Solomon, the wisest writer, says the wise woman builds her house and the foolish woman tears it down with her very own hands. I'll still remember the woman who spoke those words to me out of Proverbs. The wise woman builds her house and the foolish woman tears it down with her very own hands. And Joshua proudly proclaimed, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I pray that as you listen to this series, The Home is Holy Ground, that you will proudly proclaim, as for me and our my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you for joining us. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it an uncommon day of looking for hallowed ground.